The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very good morning, everybody. Just like they say in the Blues Brothers, the band is back together. A warm welcome to Karen and Steve and to you, of course, as we kick off Squawk Box. A March hike is likely then. Fed Chair Jerome Powell all but confirming the first pandemic-era rate hike for the Fed's next meeting and signals there is still plenty of room for more, triggering another volatile session on Wall Street. I don't think it's possible to say exactly how this is going to go, and uh, we're, we're going to need to be, as I've mentioned, nimble about this, and um, the economy is quite different this time. Asian markets slump to a 14-month low, and U.S. futures sink deep into the red, while short-term Treasury yields approach two-year highs. The U.S. hand delivers its response to Russia's demands on Ukraine in an act of old-school diplomacy but says barring it from NATO is a non-starter. We and our allies and partners are united across the board. Now, we'll continue to press forward and prepare. It remains up to Russia to decide how to respond. We're ready either way. Plus, Tesla posting a beat on the top and bottom lines and the CEO, Elon Musk, issuing better than expected guidance on the call despite the company saying it would remain chip limited. In 2022, supply chain will continue to be the fundamental limiter of output across all factories. Um, so the, uh, the chip shortage, while better than last year, is still, still uh, an issue. And we've got numbers just trickling through on the wires here from Deutsche Bank. So let me just tell you, we've got a fourth quarter pre-tax profit of 82 million euros and a fourth quarter net income of 315 million. This is the bank overnight announced a 300 million share buyback. As the German lender says, it'll pay a dividend for 2021. CFO James Van Molke will join us at 7.30 Central European time. So a very warm welcome, everybody. Let's just focus on the Federal Reserve. We'll go back to the uh, Deutsche Bank numbers presently as they infill. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says the central bank is, quote, of a mind to hike rates in March after FOMC members said it will soon be appropriate to increase interest rates amid rampant inflation. The move will mark the Fed's first rate hike since December 2018. Officials didn't say when they planned to start running off the balance sheet, but did publish a list of principles for reducing bond holdings, including an intention to begin after interest rate hikes start. Well, Powell stressed his belief that the US economy is strong enough now to warrant a move in March. I would say that the, the committee is, uh, is, is of a mind to, to, to raise the federal funds rate at the March meeting, assuming that uh, uh, conditions are appropriate for doing so. We have, we have our eyes on, on the risks, uh, particularly uh, around the world, uh, but uh, uh, we do expect some softening in the economy from Omicron, but we think that that should be temporary, and we think that uh, the economy should, the underlying strength of the economy should, um, you know, should 
should show through fairly quickly after that. Uh, so that was uh, Jay Powell. Let me just say something that you may or may not think is controversial. Um, who didn't know that this was coming? Uh, as we look at the market reaction this morning, just bear that in mind as we think about exactly how well Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve Committee members have actually signalled that this announcement was coming. And it's still a likely, soon, will probably happen, depends on the data, and so on and so forth. So Powell has also given himself plenty of wiggle room here, even as this sounded like a hawkish tilt. Um, just as we reflect on the movements in the markets, worth pointing out here that we're now looking at the fourth negative week in a row as far as the Dow is concerned, if we continue uh, to close the week lower. But the levels are actually not that seriously, much seriously lower, are they, on the trading session yesterday as we got confirmation, really, of what's been in the pipeline for some time here. So the S&P uh, down, that's its fifth negative session in seven. And as far as the Nasdaq is concerned, well, we're looking at a, a week to date of something like uh, one one and a half, one point six percent lower at this stage. So when you see some of the headlines in the mainstream press screaming about the big market capitulation related to an adjustment in the interest rate environment, just bear in mind that 1.65% is what we're talking about as far as the NASDAQ is concerned, and that's the part of the market that has seen the greatest rotation so far. So this looks relatively orderly, I would suggest. Let's have a look at the Treasury curve. And again, the reaction in the Treasury market ultimately was just a modest nudge higher on that 10-year Treasury yield. We were on the program, what, late yesterday, looking at one spot 1.77, one spot 1.78. So we've gone through 1.8 convincingly here, but we're not that far away, are we, from where we were in that trading range between 1.7 and 1.8. The two-year note, inevitably, the market looking at the short end, and we do have a, a little bit of a, a more significant move, I would vouch, at this point. But again, the curve behaving in an orderly fashion. The Asian markets, well, here we go. Asia has had a tough session, um, outsized moves compared to the US overnight session, I would suggest here, which may be a reflection perhaps of some of the news we had out of China on industrial profits, which showed some slowing, and the fact that we saw the dollar actually pick up a bid. So we had some movement in the dollar and I suspect that may have done more damage to the Asian session than uh, what we saw ultimately in the US trade. So where are we in Europe then? The opening calls. Are we reflecting Asia or are we reflecting the United States? Well, uh, at the moment we're looking at about 125 point pullback on the FTSE with 340 points suggested on the Zetradax. As we uh, go through the next three hours here on Squawk Box, we'll get a firmer idea ultimately of how the market is going to settle. And of course, we've got quite a lot of corporate numbers to get through. Let me just show you the futures. How is the market prepping itself for the follow-on session here? And as you can see, early doors, more a reflection of the, the bloodletting in Asia with the Dow implied to open down about 370 points. 
I talked about some of the earnings results. We've got a lot of C-suite executives coming up on the program here in Europe to tell us how their companies are faring and how they did in the fourth quarter. So we'll be talking to a lot of them and we'll be trying to understand how they see the inflation dynamic and the nexus with uh, shifting monetary conditions. Deutsche Bank. Let's focus on uh, the Deutsche Bank numbers then. So as I bingo call these, um, just bear in mind we did get an announcement overnight on the share buyback, which I will tell you about. The fourth quarter net revenue coming in at 4.9 billion euros. We tripled the fourth quarter profit here. Fourth quarter fixed sales and trading revenues in at 1.2 billion. Uh, net result attributable to shareholders then 1.94 billion euros for full year 2021. Analysts had been looking for a fourth quarter net loss of around 130 million uh, for the fourth quarter. So the figures obviously uh, better than that expectation. The bank says 2021 non-interest expenses up 1%. And again, that is an important number because it tells you something about how the bank is maintaining its discipline on the cost side of the business. And we saw in some of the Wall Street numbers, namely Goldman Sachs, significantly higher costs as they remunerated their top staff. So again, Deutsche Bank's message appears to be that we have managed to keep expenses uh, relatively uh, trim. The CEO says the transformation progress and financial performance in 2021 provide a strong step-off point to achieve our target of a return on tangible equity of 8% in 2021. And that number is a little low uh, compared to the Wall Street comparisons. So we'll have to see whether the market is satisfied with these numbers or whether it has some concerns about the low bar that's uh, apparently being set. Um, Let's talk about the overnight number. Uh, The bank says it's reintroducing a dividend for 2021 and it's launching a 300 million euro share buyback program. That move marks a return to some form of normality for the German lender, which was barred by regulators from paying out dividends at the outset of the pandemic, even though the dividend of 20 cents per share is lower than expected. Deutsche says that uh, combined, the dividend and buyback will reallocate 700 million euros in capital to shareholders. We will uh, talk about this in our interview with the Deutsche Bank CFO, James Van Molke. That is coming up at 7.30 Central European time. How are our friends over at the IMF then assessing the amount of volatility we're seeing in financial markets? Well, uh, they have written up their latest financial stability report and they do signal that they anticipate some of this volatility to continue. The fund's director for monetary and capital markets told me why he thinks inflation is just one of the reasons for this. I think there are two reasons. One is geopolitics. Uh, They are well Uh, telegraph tensions uh, among uh, certain countries, and that is certainly uh, setting off some uh, uncertainty in markets. And secondly, there's monetary policy normalization. Um, uh, uh, The easy monetary policy in the pandemic was a major ingredient to fight the economic fallout from the pandemic. Now is the time to tighten monetary policy as inflation is above target and real activity has come back to uh, to a large degree. 
Uh, but of course, monetary poli policy tightening means that financial conditions have to tighten to some degree. Yeah, the IMF there. Well, it's hard to disagree with what Jeff said at the top of the show. What didn't the market know about the announcement yesterday and, the, and the thereafter the statement uh, from Jay Powell? Oh, petulant child you are, market, aren't you? Right, let's move on. The Federal Reserve, though, uh, has set the scene for a rate hike in March after officials determined that, as we expected, as Jeff said, it's met its dual mandate of maximum sustainable employment with inflation above its 2% target. I think it's safe to say it's above the 2% target. Uh, but Chair Jerome Powell issued a hawkish tone, which he said before, as he refused to rule out uh, a rate hike at each of the FOMC meetings this year. Uh, let's bring in Bill Smead then, the CIO of Smead Capital Management. Bill, as always, it seems of late, it wasn't actually the official statement, it was the press conference that seemed to encourage the market to sell down here. And yet, uh, as we've mentioned, what was new, do you think, from Chair Powell that the market hadn't already tried to discount in previous sessions this week? Well, in our view, the market has been in denial about what we call the inflation wolverine. You know, they, they trotted this out in the pandemic, the uh, raising inflation as a way to heal the economy like a friendly puppy dog. And inflation is not a friendly puppy dog. And you've got a confluence of dynamics, certainly in the United States. Uh, you know, we, we do have a, a disordinately large number of people between 30 and 45 years old, way more than the prior group, who all of a sudden have discovered owning homes, owning cars, living somewhere besides the coastal cities. And th those dynamics are not going to be stopped by this late attack by the Fed. In other words, they've, they let this go on too long and the market's just coming to terms with that. So I think it's just, they're all in denial and they're, and they're just now coming to terms with the beginnings of, of eliminating their denial. What was interesting, I thought, was um, where there was some room for concern was the fact that Powell refused to rule anything out. And that left alive the possibility of, of possibly a 50 basis point move at the March meeting. That would suggest, uh, if it comes, that the Fed is shifting maybe on how transitory it thinks this inflation phase is. I think you think it's going to be around a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, we definitely do. And, and you know, it, it just so much looks like uh, the Vietnam War, Johnson's Great Society and the Arab oil embargo in 73, 74. We had the pandemic war. We had the, you know, Biden's Great Society. And now uh, and then the, uh, the Saudi Spring cut the legs off the U.S. oil industry by taking the price to zero in April of 2020. So, And then you pile all these high number of people forming households in right behind that and a shortage of houses and a shortage of cars. And, and that's, that, that is the classic definition. Too many people with too much money chasing too few goods. 
Bill, I want to get to the market action because as the market was moving yesterday on fairly high volume yet again, the CBC team was crunching the numbers on the, the type of January we've had, uh, the worst on record for the NASDAQ, what the worst since 2009 for the S&P and the worst one uh, since 2016 for the Dow. Does this symbolize anything? Because we still have another year that is packed with Fed decisions potentially. Does this suggest that we've got a market that will reverse over the course of 2022? You know, I, we're not really short-term market timers in the slightest, but we have felt from elevated price earnings ratios, extremely popular growth stocks, and all forms of financial euphoria, right? Everything from Reddit traders, Robinhood traders, meme traders, you name it. We've had every form of goofiness uh, occur in the financial markets that we were headed for an extremely difficult period. And, and so it, as a firm, we're posturing that this will be like the 1970s, which is, you know, a nasty bear market in 73, 74. And then uh, it, it culminated with another bear market in, in 81, 82. And the, there were only certain ways to make money. And they were all pretty much attached to making money from inflation. Uh, in other words, turn the thing that's the negative into the positive. And you can see that in oil prices. You can see that in, in uh, you know, the price of homes. Inflation is taking over the, the investment dynamic. And that does not bode well because most everyone was in this euphoric, no minute interest rates and no inflation phase for so long they forgot what the other part looks like. Yeah, Bill, I'm with you on virtually everything you said, so this is not going to be the most probing question. Uh, but, but in terms of what the market's looking at, I think you've just alluded to one of the most important things, rather than rate hikes, and that is the fact that the average price of oil so far in 2022 is going up and up. The average price last year was around about $71. The average price in 2020 was around about $42. The administration is making a pig's ear uh, of trying to combat higher prices. I think it was late November uh, they said they're going to release some SPR, and all of a sudden... We're about uh, 10 bucks higher than where we were when uh, the administration mentioned that as well. Real inflation getting out of control. Americans already having higher costs. American corporations already having higher costs. It doesn't bode well for the underlying economy, does it? Well, now that's the irony. Uh, in, it, in one of his famous speeches in 99 uh, at the Allen & Company Summit in Sun Valley, Buffett pointed out that the United States economy grew a lot more uh, between 1964 and 1981 than it did from 1981 to 1999. Uh, it grew like 4.3% versus 2.7, but the stock market did lousy. Well, what did we have in 64 through 81 is fabulous demographics, 75 million baby boomers replacing a, a much smaller silent generation, way more households formed, et cetera. So the Main Street economy, we, we think that the Main Street economy in the United States is going to be very solid. The, the problem is that is not good for the security markets. The, the, the money that exists will be used in doing Main Street business. And, and, and as prices get driven up, investments that benefit from inflation will take the lead. And the problem is there's so few of those to go around. And, and they've been so neglected by all this ESG feather dust uh, that, that, that 
it's going to be kind of wild. We could see some real wild price action, for example, in the oil companies that are actually trying to make money in this. Well, there's a novel idea, Bill. The capital markets providing capital for the real economy. What will they think of next? It's been a pleasure. Bill <laughs> Smead, the CIO of Smead Capital Management. It's just like the old days. Coming up on the programme, billionaire investor Bill Ackman takes advantage of the tech sell-off and makes a big bet on Netflix. We'll have more on that when we come back. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear it from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. The United States has officially responded to Russia's security demands as Vladimir Putin amasses troops near Ukraine's border. America's ambassador to Russia hand-delivered the written response to the Kremlin. Nice to know not all engagements take place on WhatsApp or on email. Now, the responses were not made public, but the Biden administration has made clear that some of Russia's demands, including barring Ukraine from joining the NATO alliance, are non-starters. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says the U.S. made no concessions to Russia's main demands. All told, our actions over the past week have sharpened the choice facing Russia now. We've laid out a diplomatic path. We've lined up steep consequences should Russia choose further aggression. We've stepped forward with more support for Ukraine's security and economy. And we and our allies and partners are united across the board. Now, we'll continue to press forward and prepare. It remains up to Russia to decide how to respond. Well, I think we're all asking if the party's over on certain valuations. Uh, Tesla's perhaps the most interesting stock in many ways. It's posted record quarterly earnings yet again, with top and bottom line exceeding expectations. Revenue jumped 65%. Remember that when I tell you the next bit. 65% on the year to $17.7 billion. Now, the world's most valuable automaker expects car deliveries to rise more than 50% this year. Okay, so 65% increase in revenues, 50% increase in car deliveries. But the CEO, Elon Musk, acknowledging that supply chain bottlenecks continue to hinder production. Now, the shares may well have been lower, just a tad in after hours. But already, year-to-date, they are down 22%. Have a think about that. Uh, Mr. Musk made a comeback to Tesla's earnings call, having said last year that he would join only when he had something important to say. On the call, he said the company would focus on existing models this year. We will not be uh, introducing new vehicle models uh, this year. It would not make any sense because um, we will still be post-constrained. We, we will, uh, however, do a lot of engineering and tooling and whatnot to 
create those vehicles, uh, the Cybertruck, Semi, Roadster, um, uh, Optimus, um, and um, and be ready to bring those to production, hopefully next year. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.